Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 60. Hello, guys. And how are you doing? Doing good. I'm just drowning in all of the news there was this week. <laughs> Don't know what to talk about. <laughs> I think we'll see a lot of things, a lot of news slowed down as we approach WWDC. Maybe more rumors than than any new announcements uh, in the short term. Or, Take some of those. <laughs> or controlled leaks, like perhaps paid advertisements on the App Store. Well, they've already controlled leaked that before, so. Right. But maybe some other ones like I that. That might be controversial. Yeah, I wonder if that'll get a boo at Dub Dub when they announce <laughs> it. <laughs> I will let you know, because I will be there. <laughs> they'll they'll probably mute that on the live stream. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you. Uh, I don't think you can necessarily necessarily hear the boos on the live stream. No, but you can definitely hear the clapping. Yeah. I bet if the boos were loud enough that they you'd hear them. I, I, we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> I honestly have never been to a dub dub where they booed at the keynote. I, well, that's that's why they're not going to talk about that at all at the keynote. They're going to have a session about like what's new in oh. the app store or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that could be. I can't if it's a bad thing. They're not going to answer the keynote. That makes sense. It'll get swept under the rug unless they can spin it nicely. No, not for the people, not for the audience that they'll have there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it seems like for independence to to go there, it's getting harder and harder. So it's but people don't like advertising in general. Yeah, it's basically a necessary evil. Yeah, you know, I think they had IAD. In the keynote, I think Steve Jobs presented it, and they made it look really cool. Um, so that was a case where, like, advertising was presented, you know, front and center, but in a way that was, you know, supposed to support the indie developer. You know, it was going to be the way to have your free apps out there and still have a good um, professional way of... Um, monetizing it through advertising but they're taking that away and potentially introducing paid search so it's definitely moving in a very different direction i will bet you one uh technical uh resolution or whatever it is that you, that you get two of per year that <laughs> they will not announce it during the keynote <laughs> yeah yeah I, stakes are high i think you're right about that I don't imagine they're going to announce an alternative to iAd. No. Which, you know, I, I don't know what that means for things like the Apple TV where the other ad networks aren't really supported yet. Yeah, I've, I've also heard rumors elsewhere that um, there will be other um, things that are adverse to advertising. So I'm kind of worried about that myself, but we'll we'll see if that comes to pass. Yeah, I've... I've I heard something similar on another podcast kind of suggesting that some of these platforms like the watch and the uh the Apple TV are these kind of 
premium platforms where it's less about the ad-supported apps, the free apps, and more about paid content. Oh, yeah, they were definitely intentional with not having WebKit uh, on Apple TV. Yeah. So we'll have to... We'll see where they go with that. <laughs> but the big news this week is CareKit is now available. <laughs> you can build your own CareKit apps now and... Uh, save the world and stuff, right? Yeah. You know, the idea of CareKit is a really good one, and I think it's great that Apple's made that an open-source platform uh, that people can build on and and help with uh, treatment. And, you know, I work on an, an, uh, on an application that's in that space. Uh, we have our own platform, so we don't necessarily... I have any interest in using CareKit, but um, the, the platform ha definitely has some overlaps with CareKit. So you don't really care about CareKit? <laughs> well, I, I think if CareKit was around a few years ago, then, you know, it may have been the way to go. Uh, you know, I, I don't know for sure if it, if it would have been a good fit for this particular business model. Um, but I think for a lot of companies doing something similar, uh, it's definitely a good thing to have that that out there. I mean, I don't, I, I won't claim to completely understand the value proposition of CareKit. Like, I feel like it's mostly in almost like a starter project and to build your uh, medication and um, and um, health and wellness tracking on top of. This, this starter project. Um, I think it'd be good to have more solutions like that out there for people to build on top of as, you know, just the examples, people getting started who haven't done it before or, or academic nonprofit organizations to have a, a place to go to start from. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a nice leg up for developers and you can, anytime you can not have your app be an isolated island. It's a nice thing. You know, when they introduced HealthKit and we all had ways of reading things like steps and heart monitoring and all, whatever else, that was, that was beneficial. Yeah. Lots of apps tied into that and they were able yeah. to use other people's data, like other apps data. Yeah. And there are some that refuse to play along like Fitbit. You know, they didn't want to, share data. They want you to go through their services to integrate. Yeah, but yeah. that's okay. And it really hasn't hurt Fitbit that I can tell. No, no, I don't think it has. But, you know, CareKid's definitely a little bit different space. And, uh, you know, hopefully it gets widespread adoption and it does some good. Oh, CareKid's just... You know, another one of those kind of health and wellness things that Apple has done recently that, you know, kind of ties into the Apple Watch. And, you know, we're, we're now about a year into the Apple Watch. And I think we've talked before about, you know, how many of us are still using, wearing their watch and how successful it's been. I think overall from an Apple's ecosystem is still a very small part of their business and 
hasn't really taken off, but it's it's a first gen. And I, I think there was a report recently that the Apple Watch has done better than the first gen iPhone. So, you know, I, I don't think you could necessarily call it a flop. <laughs> <laughs> well. But, you know. But the yeah. first first gen iPhone is not what things were measured by. Yeah. The first gen iPhone costs a lot more than a watch. Too. Yeah, it costs more. Um, it was still, you know, <laughs> people didn't really buy into it that much. You know, not only because of the price, but they didn't really know why they needed a uh, a phone with a touchscreen. Well, even it wasn't even uh, comparable to things at the time. Like, yeah, you had a touchscreen, but you couldn't send a Multi- NMS message. Yeah, for instance, which seemed like a big oversight on their part. That you got to ship version one point oh some point yeah. some point though. So yeah, <laughs> very very true. And they got something out the door. The analysts were very down on it, and you know, I I don't know what the general opinion of the Apple Watch is with analysts, but you know, I think there was a report recently that Google Wear is outpacing Apple Watch in in market share. Yeah, I saw that Google Wear or whatever it's called, uh, Android Wear, Android oh, Wear, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's picked up market share, but it seems like Apple is still ahead of it. Fitbit sells way more than both of them still, but yeah. Well, Android Wear's got so many different manufacturers, so many different varieties, and they were out about a year or so ahead of Apple. So they they had a a, a head start by a good margin. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't think any of us thought the watch was necessarily going to be the next iPhone. You know, it's still a peripheral device. It's not like a main device yet. And maybe someday it will replace the phone, but it's, it's going to be a niche market for a while and maybe forever. I kind of hope it doesn't replace the phone. I just, I have a hard time imagine, imagining using my watch uh, without using my phone at all. Not, not until it has that holographic display. <laughs> right. It's going to have to beam something straight to my eyeball. Yeah. It's like even... That's Apple VR. That's coming later. <laughs> uh, even in Star Wars, the holographic displays are monochrome, so I don't know. <laughs> that was 1970s Star Wars. So, I don't... I don't know if we are expecting to see any major leap with the watch uh, at WWDC this year. I think most people are expecting it to be kind of a TikTok, um, similar to the iPhone, where it'll be the same physical form factor, maybe upgraded internals. So, well, I don't, I don't expect to see that at DubDub, maybe in the fall, but I do expect to see fully native apps running on the watch in the OS 3, watch OS 3. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's pretty clear with Apple's statement about um, not supporting watch OS 1 non-native apps. 
Well, you're talking about running UI kit. You're not talking about watch kit, though. That's what you're saying, right, Sam? Right. It's a hard sell to be like, unless it's UI kit, it's a really hard sell to be like, here's your third new uh, watch OS uh, SDK in a year. You need to port all of your apps right now. <laughs> or maybe you'll get an extra year until we phase out the the version 2, watch OS 2 stuff. I would be pissed if I was a watch app developer, but I guess there's not that many <laughs> well, of them. So. No. Well, I, you know, the vast majority of the Apple Watch apps are, are experimentation. You know, very little percentage, very small percentage of them are actually applicable or for that form factor. They just, you know, people felt like they needed a watch app and so they made one. So I, you know, I don't think it yeah. would be a bad thing if a lot of those apps disappeared from the marketplace. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if people just decided to forego the watch. Or maybe it'll just make them rethink their watch apps and kind of double down and revamp them and make them more usable. Yeah, I I think if it's an incremental improvement, I think it will mostly be focused on complications and maybe custom watch faces. I I think that's where we might, where they probably have the most opportunity, um, short of having something more like UIKit on the watch. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm convinced that we'll see UIKit for the watch. I, I think to some degree there's, there was some intention of restricting what you could do on the watch from a UI form factor standpoint, as opposed to, you know, we might see some of the, some of the features carry over like core animation would, would be really nice to have in a watch kit, but I don't know. I don't know if we'll see UI kit make its way over. Well, I feel like they were trying to get developers to play it safe at first and maybe just get their feet wet with running in a form factor that's more limited than than what they're used to. And maybe now we can finally branch out and take the the uh kitty gloves off and, and play in the real sphere, the same sphere that Apple plays in. Yeah, we'll have to see. Although I'm not, I'm not super convinced that Apple will ever ever do custom watch faces. Even though I think it'd be really cool, it just seems like something that their design sensibilities are like very against. Well, we'll have to I mean, see. they made quite a quite a big to do about how the timers are so precise on the watch faces now, um, whether any of us really notice a difference or not i don't know but like they made it sound like they they <laughs> put a lot of engineering power in getting all those watch faces just right um so you know maybe they don't trust us to to do the same i don't think it's so much yeah, I, got, I, <laughs> I think it's more about the copyright because it's it doesn't take very long to for when you open up watch faces for some guy to go and say Oh, I got this. Here's this really cool, expensive watch. I'm going to go copy that watch face. And then 
that watch company is having to send a takedown notice to that guy. And, you know, variations of the Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I had a... Yeah. Yeah, I had a Pebble, um, and that's pretty much... There weren't apps at first, although I think they have them now in some form. But it was, like, custom watch faces that you could have, and then color custom watch faces, and it was all people who didn't really have rights to the content, and a lot of them were just really ugly looking. Uh, And especially with, like, the whole complication stuff that's already there, it seems like Apple is kind of saying, if you want to get your stuff on the watch face, then you're going to use a complication, and you're going to take what we give to you. Yeah, but at the same time, it would be cool if, say, a company that did own copyrights to certain things like say DC comics allowing you to put out a uh, a wa- allowing a watch face where you could choose whether you want to be Batman or Superman or even the upcoming Marvel Civil War you could choose say I'm with Iron Man or I'm with Captain America that kind of thing yeah there's there's definitely potential there. oh I agree it would be awesome I think it would be really cool but I don't think Apple's gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know if those content companies would go for it since since the watch. Well, yeah, it's, it would be a lot of effort for them for probably little return. Maybe like if Apple features you during a keynote or something, you'll get a little bit of bump from it. But I can't see a big return on investment like for any big company putting out a watch face. Yeah. Well, if you could say license your watch face technology to other companies like Disney. Or DC, and say, "Hey, look, I got this watch face. It's really easy to customize. Just pay me, you know, a few thousand dollars, and here we go, or something like that." Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, white box apps for the watch, basically, or white box watch faces. I guess you would say white label. Yeah, white label. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm way off. <laughs> now, if not custom faces, then I, I think we'll at least see the complications get expanded a bit. I mean, we with WatchOS 2, we finally got the ability to have custom complications, but it's still fairly constrained. So maybe that'll open up a little bit for more graphical complications, more animations. Yeah. So let me ask you guys this as a gauge for your love of the Apple Watch. If Apple was to release a new watch version in the fall, would you buy it? I think if it's the same form factor, I probably wouldn't. I'd wait for the next version. And, you know, my wife has been thinking about getting an Apple Watch, but she feels... They're still a little bit too bulky. And I think I agree with that. I I think uh, they were definitely better than I had expected them to be. But they still are noticeable additional weight. I don't know. I I like to definitely see a thinner one. Love to see a, Mm -hmm. a curved screen. Hmm. Argo, what about you? Did you buy another one? Um, it depends on what they add to it. Uh, 
I like I've I've noticed certain people have certain requirements for what they want in the next watch face. If you're a runner, you want GPS uh, or cellular. You want it to be completely disconnected from the watch. My personal thing is I'd love it to be waterproof. Uh, and if it's waterproof and the form factor doesn't change, I would still get it. And it seems like waterproof may be a push uh, with across Apple devices later this year based on some of the iPhone rumors. Um, so that would make me buy it. Uh, uh, I think a lot of people were disappointed that it didn't have a FaceTime camera when it came out. I'm not hmm. sure. Were they... Were, <laughs> who is disappointed who wants to look up people's noses <laughs> yeah i don't i th- i think people wanted the uh the the spy watch the oh so the, they wanted the dick to be tracy to... the dick tracy watch so they wanted to... <laughs> don't go there sam <laughs> personally i think we have enough cameras on our devices and i don't think we need another device with a camera that's with us all the time yeah. yeah, I'm sure the laser hair removal places would be all about uh, a camera there, so they <laughs> could get lots of money for for people's noses. But <laughs> right, right, noses. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Just doesn't seem like it'd be worth the time and effort to put a camera on there. Yeah. Yeah, I get... it, it does. It does seem. It does seem like an easy add-on, but yeah, it just the practicality of it seems. But like it would just not be a good feature. It would demo well, which it's very gimmicky though. Well, so uh, I could definitely see them doing it, but I, I just think it's a bad idea. Steve Jobs probably wouldn't have done it. Right, but they did do a lot of things on the Apple Watch that were all about the demo and but practical usage just. Didn't play out. Like, like the, the heartbeat? Yeah, the heartbeat and the drawing sketches and sending them to people. It's a cool idea, but I think most people stop using that after the first week of having the watch. Yeah, I think that would make a great game. Like, here, sketch this really fast. and That'd be nice to have as a watch game. There was a iPhone app. I forget yeah, what it was called. Something. Yeah, yeah, draw something. Right. So the same that kind of concept off for yeah quite a bit of time. And if if you were able to do fully native apps on the watch, you could have had something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I just we'll see. I'm I'm not sure if myself if I would buy a second one when or a V2. Yeah, I mean it all depends on what what's in there, but I can probably see myself buying it. Yeah. That's just because I'm dumb and waste money, though. <laughs> <laughs> you like all the toys. Yeah. So, in addition to the watch kind of coming up on a major milestone, the new Apple TV is right around six months, and a few people have commented on their opinions having been using it for a while. What do you guys think? I, I know we all, all three of us have an Apple TV, and... and I think we all got a developer edition, so we had a chance to play with them even early on. So have they lived up to the expectation? Um, so, so I'm probably a, a bad person to ask about this because 
I don't watch a whole lot of TV on my actual TV. I typically watch a bit of Netflix on my iPad, and that's about it. So, for me, the Apple TV might have just been a bit of a waste of money. I like the device. It's pretty cool. But just haven't gotten the usage out of it that would make it worth it for me. Well, I think when it comes down to, like, content-oriented apps, like, Netflix, Hulu, you know, those are the killer apps. Uh, but they're really not that much better on the new Apple TV. I mean, there's some nice features, um, you know, potentially with the remote and like scrubbing through or asking Siri, what did this person say? Um, or asking who the actor, actor or actress is. But those are, again, kind of Features that are great demos, but aren't day-to-day activities. Well, and some of the of those features seems like they've been hamstrung by the software and the remote. The remote. I'm really surprised that we still don't have the remote app, so you can do this on your phone too. Uh, but they had all these like multiplayer games and stuff like that, and there's no remote app out yet, so it seems like they drop the ball on the remote, especially hardware-wise, too, because it's not super usable, which way is up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the, the ergonomics but... of it just were a big miss. You know, Given given yeah. how the context of how people typically use them, they don't look at the remote. Often the lights are dimmed uh, when you're watching a movie. You know, So nine times out of ten, you pick up the remote the wrong way or accidentally... Um, scrub the the touch screen when you didn't mean to and you re- just re- rewound it and 30 minutes yeah it, it seems like we're stuck with the remote as is i guess maybe they could rev the remote and fix some of the usability issues and still have the same core functionality so that's always a possibility i, I hate guess. to say it like the the um, thing that would fix the remote is a case <laughs> yeah just put a little case on it <laughs> So you can actually tell I've got a case on one of mine. Tell yeah. which ends which. Um and it make it easier to to keep track of and not slip down the crevice of the couch. Uh Yep, we got one for our main TV and it works pretty yeah. well. <laughs> so you know, I I think generally we like the old remote better just because you can tell which buttons which without accidentally <laughs> scrubbing the the video yeah i think the other issue is that if you want to do any kind of hardcore gaming on there it's really hard because that game has to support the remote fully and just and can't just embrace a gamepad yeah i think that stuff has flopped especially with the requirements that you have to support the apple remote so disney infinity um which was one of the big ones they demoed like this is a full console game coming to the apple tv I'm guessing because of lack of sales, they've said, yeah, we're not doing anything else with the Apple TV. Uh, but their platform is all about, like, new figures come out and the, the games get updated on your consoles or whatever. So Disney said, no, we're done. We're done with this. Uh, and I th- I think that's that's a big part of it. Just, like, it's not really possible to play with a, with a remote. Yeah. Even though that one came with uh, a controller, people... Just don't want to mess with with the the games as much on TVOS. Yeah, and there's definitely some good games for the Apple TV. 
you know, the casual games. Like, Does Not Commute is a great game. Uh, Crossy Roads is pretty good. And Crossy Roads is one of those few multiplayer games that uses the iPhone. Uh, and Sam, you spent a little bit of time trying to, uh, trying to do some multiplayer functionality and you have to go pretty low level in the current, uh, toolkit to, to make that work, uh, which has probably kept people from doing more with it. Well, I wonder if the remote app update was out, if people would just use that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that the other thing is I think the TV, the Apple TV can only support four remotes paired to it at a time. So at best you could have three game pads plus your remote paired to it. And if you're going to try to play a four player game, <laughs> you have to draw straws to see who gets the the poor remote. Yeah. But it does you know, it it does have some potential for that family gaming screen or, you know, party games. You know, I, and we might see some better, better toolkit support for multiplayer. Uh, handoff is another thing. Like, you know, you would think that you're browsing something on your phone or playing a game on your phone, you know, being able to pick up that game on the TV would be an easy thing, but handoff wasn't there, isn't there yet. Yeah, or it was explicit. Or even the fact that actually they they said the API was there, but it didn't work, and they're at least during the betas. And then on the forums, the Apple developers said that they were explicitly not going to support it, and it was actually the API were going to be removed. So, which seems like an odd thing. I assume it's gone now, but. As we've, as you've said, it's a, the TV is not a personal device. It's a communal device. So, uh, just to be able to hand off from one person's phone to the Apple TV, but not another person's phone is probably something Apple doesn't want to tackle as a user experience. Yeah. And yeah, it's a hard problem to solve. I mean, you, you can easily airplay to the TV, so it's not like you couldn't just bring that screen up. But airplay. Oh, it's it's a U it's a UX ex- uh, issue. It's not a technical issue at all. I mean, like they said, the API was there, but they're just not supporting it. Right. It really handoff is probably bonjour and a little protocol on top of that. So. And one, th- I mean, and not having a WebKit at all on. TVOS is kind of limiting too. Like it really is like a little black box. Like you can't get anything in or out of it. Like there's no links. There's no URLs that you can have to link to an app store app on the, on the TV. I mean, it seems like maybe you have like a open on device link where you could hand off to a phone or something or, or where you could open a link on the TV or install it on your TV remotely like you can do on Android, which would would all be really nice additions, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, you know, the Apple TV is dominated by the, the content oriented apps and probably fitness apps and a handful of games that 
that work well. But Tim Cook told me the future of TV was apps. Where's the rest of them? <laughs> I mean, there's lots of apps huh? there, and there's a lot of good apps. And you know, the nice thing about the Apple TV versus the Apple Watch is there is a marketplace, and you can price an app for the TV independent of your iOS apps, or you can have a kind of a bundled price uh, for both platforms. So it's it's definitely a better platform in terms of the investment than maybe a watch app, but um, it's another one that has a very specific use case set of use cases that, you know, it's not the general purpose app platform. You know, fitness apps, I think do great, you know, cooking apps, recipe apps, things with lots of great content. Um, Video photo apps are great, but and some of the casual games, but beyond that, it's pretty limited. Yeah, I think they need to take that thing and turn it into a Amazon Echo competitor. Oh, it is potentially well suited for that. And, you know, it's probably in the right location. Um, you know, it's already kind of that home kit hub. So, you know, it could definitely move in you've got the siri button on your remote so maybe it's not always listening and you just hit the siri button but well but the part of the convenience of of the amazon stuff is that it is always listening if you have to find the remote which is in your couch <laughs> or you'll yeah you'll pick the wrong side of it and hit the siri button that's that defeats the whole purpose yeah i mean right. we could echo echo has these far field microphones that you could speak to it from across the room or possibly even across from your house. And I've, I've heard it does a great job with uh, filtering out noise as well. So if you are playing music or you have other people over and, you know, it, it does a reasonable job of filtering out the background noise. Yeah, I would say so. If it's playing music, when you talk to it, it'll lower the volume on the music. Not all the way, but enough. I do think that's definitely a market that has some potential is these voice assistants that, you know, it's very much the sci-fi future. You know, it's Jarvis on Iron Man, you know, having that that voice assistant that can answer these questions and is always there. Um, I, I definitely think there's a market for that. I don't know from an app development market, how much capability there is. And I know Echo has the ability to integrate with third-party services, but I don't know how good it works. It does full-on apps, too. Usually the apps out there right now are things like guess a number. You can <laughs> they're, they're simple things, simple interactions. But it does integrate with things like Pandora and Spotify. Yeah. And you like you want things like IMDb, like who's that actor? Yeah, or uh, oh yeah, it it has a large knowledge base that it can pull from. And recipes, or you know, how do I fix the sink? You know what? You know, there's <laughs> lots of applications. I think. Yeah, though to your to your example, the fixing of the sink would be. A little bit better as a YouTube video. Yeah. 
But, you know, if you've got an integrated household, you know, maybe it puts it up on the Apple TV <laughs> or on your phone or on your iPad. Right. You know, and, you know, I think that's to some degree the future of, you know, right now we've got all these islands of devices, you know, being able to connect them a little bit better. You know, maybe it's not handoff, but it's the Internet of Things. Yeah. But not as ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe with the google glass version 3 you know how that heads out display and it'll be interesting to see what that looks like whatever the next version would be of glass it was definitely an interesting experiment well google bought magic leap i think that's going to be the next version of of glass what what were they Magic Leap is kind of like HoloLens in, in concept. I think it's they've it's a whatever Google calls their labs division now, but it's basically like an AR device where they shine the light in your eye. Um, but apparently, it's supposed to be like way better than everything else that's out there, better than HoloLens by a bunch. Uh, so it sounds really cool, um, but they're they're staying kind of secret for now about it. Apple has been really quiet on this VR and AR stuff. So I wonder if they're just going to skip VR and go straight to AR in like a year or two. Uh -huh. Although maybe they, maybe the iPhone 7, it looks exactly like the iPhone 6 and 6S they're saying. So maybe they, maybe that's their VR phone. That's going to be the big thing. There's like this VR uh, headset that you can buy with your phone and you can put it on. Well, we are on a 6 or a 6S or a 7. We're coming up on iOS 10. And typically you see major jumps in technology every 10 years. So I, I think we're due for for something new. Um, and I, I think Apple, at least from a stock standpoint, could benefit from having something new <laughs> uh, that gets people excited. Oh, yeah. They're certainly investigating yeah, it for sure right yeah. now. And, that, you know, it could be the self-driving car. It could be or just a Tesla competitor. It could be. I, I think they've hired a few VR engineers recently within the last year or so. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it's the watch. I don't think it's the Apple TV. I think those are still very niche hobby um, products. You know, it'll be interesting to see what, what Tim Cook can come up with on his own that, you know, is a new product that can, that has the reach that the iPhone ha has had. And maybe there isn't one. I saw one rumor suggest that uh, that Apple needs to get Tesla to let them acquire them so that you can have the the visionary of Elon Musk with the operational mastery that is Tim Cook combined. And the cash. <laughs> the cash isn't bad either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tesla would like the cash. Although they do. They did get like billions of dollars in one thousand dollar increments uh, when they did their Model 3 pre-orders. So. Yeah, it's like a, a very successful Kickstarter program for a car <laughs> best kickstarter ever <laughs> elon musk is all about trying to get to mars and colonizing it not sure if he would sell off tesla as part of that or not i don't know it seems like the of the three industries that he's currently in they're all geared towards having some kind of mars colony yeah whether you get the electric car or of course spacex yeah he's trying to change like a change the world for the better with all of them like with tesla he's trying to 
like make people get electric yeah. vehicles cleaner so energy kill yeah. the earth before yeah. they have to go to mars i guess yeah that, that's well, the angle yeah. <laughs> but an internal combustion engine isn't going to work on mars right because there's there's no air and then you've got probably a distinct lack of fossil fuels since there's a good chance that there weren't any dinosaurs around on mars and so that's there's a whole bid with solar city so as long as apple could play into that somehow i guess maybe there'd be some synergy yeah i don't see i don't see apple going to mars i don't see eon playing nice with others either I don't yeah. think he can take a back seat, but him and Apple PR would not get along. <laughs> well, one of his goals is to die on Mars, not as not on impact, but actually in the colony. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Mars, I think we're taking a pretty big tangent. Yeah. Yeah. So I should probably wrap it up. Yeah. I. You know, I don't. I don't think we're going to see anything major with the watch or or the Apple TV this year in terms of hardware. I think we'll see some incremental improvements on the software side. Uh, hopefully, making it easier to build more sophisticated apps for both platforms. But uh, uh, we'll find out more in June. Both platforms. Apple Watch <laughs> and TVOS. We also have Mac. Might be good to get some software improvements there too. <laughs> But yeah, but I think that's about all the time we have this week. So uh, why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on Twitter? I'm at AJ Robinson. And I'm at Sam Corder. I'm at Alex Argo. And the podcast is at Shared Inst. Uh, give us an email at sharedinstpodcast at gmail.com. And hang out with us in our Slack chat room. Just get an invite at chat.sharedinstance.com. Um, other than that, we'll see you next week. Uh, also leave us a sweet review on iTunes and, um, what other good stuff do we want them to do? <laughs> Isn't there some kind of recommend button on Overcast? Oh yeah. Recommend us an over Overcast, but recommend a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> Pick your favorite episode and recommend it on Overcast. There you go.